I would like to go on to somewhat of an extended comment slash discussion, and I was having this with Chad, who is a listener to the show, and he was doing this on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box here. Anybody can also follow the show, Black Box Online Radio, on Facebook if you would like to get in touch or share some things about any of these true crime cases that we're talking about. And Chad had shared something with me recently about the Zodiac Killer when he said, I don't even think the Zodiac is real. It's unrelated crimes that Graysmith tried to connect to sell papers, and boy did he get rich as fuck off those totally inaccurate books. Lake Berryessa was a copycat. One of those detectives was caught writing fake letters to the paper about how great he was and why. Why and what would stop him from deciding to be a hero and catching the Zodiac? But it blew up beyond his control. I love the Zodiac, though, mainly because I love to see how them taunted, and I am now in control of all things. That last part is written in all caps. Just wanted to say that. And I have read that comment off on a previous AMA, but Chad had shared something with me recently about that theory, because I noticed that his comment that I had just read there is very similar to what Thomas Henry Horne talks about in the book The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, which is also available in... Um, smaller books, like I did a book discussion on the Great Zodiac Killer hoax of 1986, and now all those small segments have been put into one book, The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, and anyone can read it for themselves, and you can also hear both of those book discussions here on this channel, The Great Zodiac Killer hoax of 1986, or The Myth of the Zodiac Killer. I have playlists on both of them, and he was talking about the Zodiac hoax theory, that is the idea that one person wrote letters taking credit for murders that he did not commit, and that person has been identified as Hal Snook, and that's Thomas Henry Horan's claim. And then Chad sent me something that was really quite different when he said that he disagreed with Thomas Henry Horan, and I think Horan is way off. And um, I was like, well, why do you think that he is way off if you just put forward a theory that sounds very similar to his, and he says, Graysmith is a liar. Who knows after that? And that's a very good point, because in the hoax theory, as I kind of just rambled on for a second, there are three major claims. The first is, Robert Graysmith lied in his 1986 book, Zodiac. The second is, the person who wrote the letters did not commit all of the murders. And the third is, that letter writer has been identified as Hal Snook, according to Thomas Henry Horn, that is his theory, and, um, I mean, everyone has their own Zodiac Killer theory, right? So it sounds like Chad is only in agreement with the first part. Robert Graysmith was a liar. And maybe multiple killers, but he just apparently doesn't seem to think that Hal Snook wrote the letters or that he was responsible for that. And that heavily, heavily changes the narrative because, I mean, Thomas Henry Horan openly discussed this in those books that I was talking about, when we look at who could have written the Zodiac Killer letters, if it is a hoax and someone is writing letters taking credit for murders that they did not commit, hoax or fraud or deception, they're trying to make you think it's one person when it's actually many people, that one of the people that Thomas Horne first looked into was none other than Robert Graysmith, saying that Graysmith could have engineered this all from the beginning. This was his uh, deceptive plot to create this type of serial killer fiction. Then he would go on, write a book about it, and make lots of money. And Graysmith now is a millionaire because of that, as well as selling the movie rights to some of his other stuff. But um, I digress from that. 
But um, what Thomas Horne's response was, he looked into Graysmith, he looked into Richard Gajkowski, who was actually at the top of his short list of suspects for writing the letters. It just turned out to be Hal Snook in his... Uh, in his mind, is the person responsible. Well, that opens up an entire can of worms now, because you have this guy, Hal Snook, who was a Napa County deputy, forensic scientist, chemist. He definitely would have had the brain for creating the Zodiac Killer letters, but did he actually write them? A very harsh critic of the Zodiac hoax theory is none other than Tom Voigt, if anything, because he says he knew Hal Snook personally. Hal Snook was actually a contributor to ZodiacKiller.com for a while back in the day, and he simply disagrees with that on all grounds that Hal Snook didn't write the letters. But we did have one question about that recently because I had posted a document from uh, Napa County that had been written after the Lake Berryessa report, after the Lake Berryessa stabbing. It was a report from Lake Berryessa. And this is from Augustine Criv, who said, The handwriting that you showed at 29 minutes and 40 seconds in your video does that belong to the suspect? It says Napa County Sheriff's Department. And he was talking about the handwriting of Hal Snook, who was um, someone who started out as a Napa County deputy, and then he went on to become a suspect, not for committing all of the murders. He is only a suspect for writing the letters. And I believe, if, the, if I understand the hoax theory, it's that Hal Snook would have designed the ciphers. However, he most likely had somebody else an active participant in the Zodiac mystery, composing them for him. And the person who has been accused of composing those ciphers or writing them out, like Hal Snook would have made the message, he would have made the encoded characters, like all of those symbols that you see, that was all Hal Snook's design. And then Robert Graysmith would have been the person who sat down and did the copying, because as a cartoonist, Graysmith was very skilled at that. And you can discuss that one in the comments section as well. If you uh, think of the hoax theory is right, or if you think that more suspect is right, or Don Chaney, or maybe there's somebody else in the Zodiac world that you are looking at. Now, moving on to something about the Manson family, we have one comment that came in on Sons of Sam Manson family connection. And this is from Apex Prowler, who says, I think that Bruce Davis is and was CIA. He was tight with not only Charles Manson, but cancer researcher, the respected Dr. Oxner, out of the New Orleans. Dr. Oxner caused the death of his grandson and injured his granddaughter by giving both a vaccine that he stood up for. Oswald was around Dr. Oxner's at the same time as Bruce. Another tidbit is the trash bag killer Patrick Kearney and Oswald were travel buddies in the military. It's not a stretch to say that Bruce knew Oswald and Kearney. Talking about Bruce Davis, Charles Manson's right-hand man, the person who becomes the biggest suspect in the Zodiac-Manson connection. And um, in the most recent episode, I was talking about Howard Davis and his appearance on the Tate LaBianca radio program, and he, they openly asked him, in your mind, is Bruce Davis the Zodiac killer? And he said, yes. Now, Bruce Davis working with the CIA. I think Bruce Davis is slash was CIA. I did too for a while, absolutely, in 2020. I said that if there were any people from the Manson family who could have been more involved with the CIA than we would expect, it would be either Bruce Davis or Lynette Squeaky Fromey. And I would 
choose Bruce Davis because he was always the rover of the group. He's always in some other place. Like if you read Paul Watkins' book, My Life with Charles Manson, he's like, oh yeah, they're always just picking up Bruce Davis from some different place, whether it's Malibu or San Diego or something like that. And Bruce Davis allegedly spent the fall and winter of 1968 to 69 in England, continental Europe, and maybe even going to North Africa as well. So he is around the world just doing God knows what. And I was very suspicious of that. And I I can't say I've had a reversal on that or that I disagree with you, Apex Prowler. I was simply forced to say I don't know if Bruce Davis or Lynette Squeaky from me was a CIA operative or a greater CIA informant where they were um, doing something that was more than meets the eye. Because Squeaky is the one who goes on to pull a gun on President Gerald Ford, and she said that she could have shot him. She could have gotten two shots off, but she chose not to. And she spent, um, what was it, was it 34 years in prison? And then she was released, and one of the few Manson family members who was actually released. Squeaky was also Charles Manson's favorite girl, and she was one of of the people who never renounced her support for Charles Manson, and she went on to write a book called Reflection, but it's spelled um, R-E-F-L-E-X-I-O-N, and that shares a lot of things about um, her experiences. So I was even just wanting to know if one of those two could have been the greater CIA presence, or maybe they have all just been a bunch of crackpots who were under the influence of drugs. That's why I said I can't endorse it. I can't say that I know it as a fact. I'm just going to have to play the uncertainty card right now. Now, Thomas Henry Horan, um, the guy that we were just talking about with the Zodiac hoax theory, had his own idea about the Manson family and a greater CIA operative. He didn't say Bruce Davis. He didn't say Squeaky. He said Mary Bruner, the kind of person who's closer to Charles Manson, his girlfriend before he truly um, becomes the gardener of Ashbury Hate and so on. And he says that because of where she was living at the time and that how she could have um, groomed Charles Manson into the person that he was. A lot of his theories that you can hear on the Stones Unturned podcast talk about how Charles Manson isn't actually the person in control. And as I was going through some things, about um, the tape LaBianca radio program. I wanted to cross-reference them with things that I had heard on the Stones Unturred podcast and see where is everybody in agreement and where does everybody disagree. One comment that was shared by Thomas Henry Horan is that he seems to think that the Tate LaBianca murders that took place in 1969, the murder of Sharon Tate and her friends, as well as Lino and Rosemary LaBianca, that was the next day, of course, those were not necessarily orchestrated by Charles Manson. In fact, he thinks that Charles Manson was not the architect. And he would interpret some comments in a very odd way, like when Charles Manson would tell the girls, all right, go with Tex and do whatever he says. That would make it sound like Tex Watson is actually the person who is the leader and that Charles Manson is telling his girls to go with some other guy. Like he's doing something for somebody else. Charlie isn't, isn't at the top. Charles Manson is the guy who is actually beneath Tex Watson. I am very, very skeptical of this because there are two ideas that are shared in that. 
One is that the Tate-LaBianca murders were not a drug deal gone wrong. It wasn't because Charles Manson wanted to get revenge on society. It was a prostitution deal gone wrong or a pornography deal gone wrong. Or that if there was a drug deal, that just means that Tex Watson was connected to a larger criminal network. I mean, these guys didn't come from nowhere. Paul Watkins, Tex Watson, Bruce Davis, they interacted with many other people. And that they... Yeah, drugs may have been involved, but it was primarily Charlie was pimping out the girls, Charles Manson, that is, and that they were supposed to be doing some things that were involved with somebody in the Tate house, the house at Cielo Drive on the night of the murders, and there is some type of deal that could have gone wrong, but um, another theory that has been put forward by Thomas Henry Horne is that the reason why people can't find a motive for the Tate-LaBianca murders is because they didn't actually commit those murders. That all of those people like Susan Atkins, Tex Watson, as well as even Leslie Van Houten, who was involved with the LaBianca murders, Patricia Krenwinkel, and um, all those people didn't commit the murders. Somebody else did. And that they've been brainwashed to thinking that they did because of MK Ultra, and they've all been given false memories. I don't subscribe to that. I don't believe that. Only because of insufficient evidence. I'm always open to being corrected. I get that MK Ultra is a real thing. The CIA is doing experiments with mind control, but did that actually happen? I'm not convinced at all. As I've been going through the Tate LaBianca radio program. They talked about the motive for the Tate-LaBianca murders, and in fact, the host of it, whose name is Brian Davis, many people out there named Davis, and he was saying that the reason why he is hosting this show is to answer one question, why? Why were the people murdered in the Tate house and then Lino and Rosemary LaBianca murdered by the Manson family? And they've been going through a lot of things like trial transcripts and interview transcripts, and it is quite shocking to learn some of the things that they uncover. When people think that the reason why Sharon Tate was murdered was a drug deal gone wrong, when I was first approached about that, I had no idea what people were talking about. I was like, a drug deal gone wrong? Well, how does that factor into things? And it appears that two people who were murdered with Sharon Tate were Wojtek Frakowski and Jay Sebring. Jay Sebring is the hairdresser to the stars, and Wojtek Frakowski is the boyfriend of Abigail Folger, who's a friend of Sharon Tate, and Abigail Folger is the heiress to the Folger's coffee fortune, and, well, I mean, I want to stay on page with one single theory. The drug deal gone wrong is that they were supposed to provide drugs to, um, some member of the Manson family, or there's supposed to be some type of exchange between drugs and money, and somebody comes up short. And then this starts the altercation and that this is all connected to the drug trade. Ivor Davis, I-V-O-R, Ivor Davis is the guy who really promotes that theory and has a lot to say about that. But the other more conventional theory is simply that Charles Manson wanted to get revenge on the music industry establishment. Charles Manson openly said in an interview once, and um, if anybody... Well, I'll go back and find that clip, and I might do a full episode on the comments. It was the one that they did about Charles Manson and his relationship with the Beach Boys, that documentary. I just, the name has escaped me. But I'll go back and find the clip where Charles Manson is openly saying that the reason why P. 
people were murdered at Cielo Drive was because Terry Melcher broke a contract. Terry Melcher is the son of Doris Day, and he was the record producer who was supposed to get Charlie into the music world. However, Charlie felt that he had been cheated out of that, or that people are taking his songs, and that, um, or that they are, um, taking stuff from him, or he isn't getting the credit that he deserves, and he's not breaking into the music world in, as an insider. So, that, um, that's why they were murdered, because it was about getting revenge on the media elites. It was about getting revenge on the music industry elites, and the house at Cielo Drive was a representation of that. And not only that, um, Charles Manson openly said that he did not know that Sharon Tate was going to be in the house. He didn't know that um, she was going to be there. They were just supposed to cause the trouble and the destruction, and I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business, and she got caught in the, not crossfire, but caught, caught in the knife slashing, if you will. I don't mean to be crude or anything, or to be morbid, but that seems to be what happened. As far as Lino and Rosemary LaBianca go, I was, I was discussing this with Chad as well, and he said that there could have been a larger connection to organized crime. What Charles Manson's admission was from that uh, Beach Boys documentary that I mentioned is that Lino and Rosemary LaBianca had to die because they were in possession of a black phone book that had certain names and pieces of info, and some people have their own theories that this was meant to just start a war against any form of media elite or any form of people who are in a certain circle, and Charles Manson wanted to penetrate that inner circle and just go on some massive kill rampage, not by using his own hand, but by getting people like Tex Watson and Susan Atkins and Patricia Krenwinkel to do the murders for him. If you do get a chance to listen to the Tate LaBianca radio program, they go through lots of um, transcripts, as I said, and one thing that they shared and this might sound absolutely mundane to you, or maybe this will blow your mind, is that there could have been a knife switch between Linda Kasabian and Susan Atkins on the night that Sharon Tate was murdered. Some people might be like, yeah, so what? Other people would be like, oh my gosh, that is just shocking. Linda Kasabian was the person who was supposed to be the lookout, and she was also supposed to be the getaway driver. Somebody um, once said that the only reason why Linda Kasabian was in the house, or the only reason why Linda Kasabian went to the house and waited outside was because she had a valid California driver's license. But as I understand, California didn't put photos on the driver's licenses until the early 1970s, and this crime occurred in 1969. And Linda Kasabian also becomes um, an asset to the prosecution to testify against them, and she was not convicted of the murders the way that other people were. So if there actually is some type of knife switch where she's holding a knife and hands it to Susan Atkins, then she would become involved with that, and that means she's not just the lookout, she's not just the getaway driver. And one documentary that I do remember is simply just called Manson. It was available on the YouTube movies um, channel, like where you can just watch free YouTube movies, and it was a documentary, but it goes back and forth between the documentary thing where they're talking to real people, and then very extended reenactments. I thought that it was going to be like a dramatization, like a drama film that was based on the case, but um, it goes back and forth between um, the real stories and then the dramatic recreations. And the way that they described it was, Linda Kasapian is the lookout, right? And then Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Tex Watson are entering the house, and they are committing the murders of Sharon Tate, Wojtek Frakowski, J.C. Bring, and um, 
Abigail Folger, and then Stephen Parent is somebody there who... Some people think that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Other people think that he was someone who was a little bit more connected to the criminal world. He is shot from in the... Um, he's already shot, so he's not in the house, but he is murdered as well. And then they come out, and then Linda Kasabian is just pushed to the side, and Tex Watson starts driving the car. And that's the one where she talks about how the people are just complaining about how their hands feel like they're on fire because they've been stabbing people and the knife has been striking bone and they're just all kinds of um all kinds of uh descriptions on how the murders were committed but that just begs the question why was it a drug deal gone wrong was it a prostitution deal gone wrong was it about getting revenge on the media elites or was it about creating this type of race war as a fiction to do something that was, um, well, that's a whole nother extended story. Some people think that the term helter-skelter is used for a particular reason, that it was about creating a fictional race war between blacks and whites, and that they wanted to commit these murders, the, the, the Tate murders and the LaBianca murders, and they wanted to blame them on the African-American community, the Black Panthers, and so on. And they thought that by doing that, they could blame the murder of Gary Hinman on that same group. And Gary Hinman was murdered, and he, the people that were present there were Charles Manson, Bruce Davis, Bobby Beausoleil, and Susan Atkins. But Manson and Davis left the scene, and then Bobby Beausoleil was the person who was arrested for that. Charles Manson viewed Bobby Beausoleil as a very close informant. I mean, I I haven't heard too much of this other than one story, but I think that they were lovers, that they were homosexual lovers. And I say this because um, of the theory that I'll talk about in a second, but there's also the story of Charles Manson and Bobby Beausoleil tried to recreate the myth of Isis and Osiris and that um, Beausoleil would put Manson's penis in his mouth and pretend to bite it off and so on. So um, I think that they were involved in a romantic relationship. I just guesswork, a superficial assessment. If that's not true, then I wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, that's something that I've thought about. Not in that way, but uh, bleh, I, uh, I digress from that. Okay, and the theory is that they wanted to commit this series of murders and blame it on the Black Panthers. So then Bobby Beausoleil could get out of jail. He's viewed as a very loyal asset to Charles Manson, and maybe they were romantically involved. Charles Manson's favorite girl, as we said, though, was Squeaky, and it seems like his favorite guy was Bobby Beausoleil. That's utterly ridiculous. That's the dumbest plan in the world, to murder seven people and then just to get one person out of jail. There's so many other ways you could do that that would actually be effective, and thus, in turn, all of the people that we've been discussing have mostly been incarcerated for the rest of their lives, and some of them, including Charles Manson, have passed away. Another reason why I don't believe this whole thing about how Tex Watson is actually giving the orders is it was mentioned on the Stones Unturned podcast about how Charles is the name of both Charles Manson and Tex Watson. His name is Charles Watson, and his nickname was Tex, and that when people are talking about Charles or Charlie in the interviews, they actually mean Charles Watson. Perhaps that could happen sometimes, but I think that that is a gross underestimation of Charles Manson's influence, and I think on that alone, he certainly wouldn't um, 
I don't think Tex Watson was the mastermind of anything. Yeah, okay, maybe he knew some people who sold drugs, but Tex Watson had his brain fried after tripping on Belladonna, and he got on all fours and started walking through a crowd of children pretending to be a school bus, going beep, 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 and his personality really changed after that, and I don't think he was a mastermind of anything. But I would now like to go on to a next comment. I spent about, like, a bazillion minutes on the last one, so let's get to another comment here from Jim Witt, who says, I used to think that David Berkowitz and the Zodiac were the same person at one point, for years. That, or they were definitely connected somehow. Oh, there are similarities between David Berkowitz and the Zodiac Killer. David Berkowitz, of course, who was convicted for the Son of Sam slayings, Although Berkowitz confessed to Maury Terry on national television that he only committed two of the murders, and that Netflix special, Sons of Sam, was talking about how maybe Berkowitz was telling the truth, and he only committed two of the murders out of these six murders that have been attributed to the Son of Sam, or perhaps Berkowitz knew what Maury Terry wanted to hear, and he was just feeding him a bunch of crap to uh, mess with him, for lack of a better term. But the differences and the similarities between the Son of Sam and the Zodiac Killer, let's just do that right now. Both of them committed Lover's Lane murders. Both of them wrote letters in to the police. And something that I didn't get to talk about in that episode that I think is very important, it creates this three-way relationship, almost like a triangular relationship between the police, the, the media and the killer, particularly newspapers, even more particularly than a newspaper, a journalist. Like how the Zodiac Killer is calling out Herb Kane, the Zodiac Killer is mailing stuff to Paul Lavery, and the Son of Sam also mailed stuff into the particular journalist that was covering him. There's that triangular relationship, and that wasn't my own original observation. The Netflix special talked about how the Son of Sam had the three-way relationship between the journalists the killer, and the police. I was, um, I did make the connection that that is all exactly the same with the Zodiac killer. So someone is going a step beyond. They aren't just committing crimes. It's not just thrill kills. Someone is bragging about this in letters because they want to taunt the police, they want to taunt the journalists, and there could be numerous reasons for that. Maybe they just want to show off how brilliant they are. Oh, look, I can do brilliant things and not get caught. Maybe. Or it could be something to the contrary, that people are like, I'm trying to get a message out there, and maybe if I can manipulate this journalist in a particular way, then they would um, respond in a particular way, and they'll put something in the paper that someone else could read. Now, in the most recent episode I did on Zodiac Mondays, I was talking about some other similarities. And Maury Terry looked into a connection between the Manson family and the Son of Sam, and that was a cult called the Children. And we also talked about the Process Church. I read off a couple articles about the Process Church in that most recent episode, as well as the one called Sons of Sam, Manson Family Connection. And one of the descriptions from none other than religionnews.com, I think was the website that put that out there, said, the Process Church, if you get deep enough into their material, is going to say that you need to bring destruction upon humanity. 
because it's a good thing to do, that is almost identical to the global elite descriptions of Luciferianism put out by William Cooper. When he's saying, this is what the global elites believe, and this is what they're trying to do. It's something called the ancient magic religion, which is a belief that Jesus and Lucifer are one and the same, and you liberate humanity by destroying it. So, um, yeah, okay, I mean, I don't believe that, by the way. And I don't think a lot of people that are connected to these groups, the Process Church or the Children, even would genuinely believe that. Would they go along with it because it's beneficial to their abilities to obtain money, sex, and power? Oh yeah, people do things like that. So, if there's this link among any of those things, the Zodiac Killer, the Manson family, and the Son of Sam, it could be that they were influenced by certain pieces of CIA propaganda. This could be the types of MKUltra brainwashing that I like to talk about, not so much that different people committed the Tate LaBianca murders and Charles Manson's followers all had false memories of doing it. Instead, I think that it would be more about how these ideas were put into motion by the CIA and the Zodiac Killer, Manson, Berkowitz, all caught on to it, whether they were involved with smaller cells of the process church, the splintering effect, if you will, or that they were inspired by some elements of the Church of Satan and Anton LaVey, or the CIA is behind certain types of promotion. They promote certain ideas that will make people behave in a certain way, and sometimes it's very destructive, and that's why you can view them as CIA informants, and that the term informant should be viewed as something very broad. So that leads us to um, that whole set of um, factors there, that maybe they were influenced by something related to the CIA to commit these destructive tendencies. Boom. Okay. Got it. Right? So I think that's where we're going to have to leave it at for now. Is this actually the, true, though? Possibly. Do I have anything that I can bring into a court of law to show you how the CIA did this? No, but I am very, very suspicious of them. Please stay tuned, and we'll be right back after this message. <laughs> 